Hey there, patrons. Welcome to your bonus episode for 289. My cat is being funny. Uh, this is Seth Tivitt. Uh, hope you enjoyed the main interview. If you didn't catch it, go to MikeyPod.com and you'll find it. It's the most recent podcast posted there. And uh, here's just more with Seth and an interview, uh, interview, a recipe and for tequila tempeh, which I haven't made yet, um, but maybe you will. Let me know. Um, it's. I feel like I should acknowledge we're in the middle of a pandemic and... I'm going about my business here in Brooklyn today. As far as I know, nothing's been canceled. And I've just been washing my hands a lot. And yeah, most I'm, I see a lot of families and everyone's being fairly normal. Um, how's, how are things in your world? Will, will you let me know? I, I know some people are worried and I'm worried and other people's worry gets me worried. And um, it's worrying. <laughs> but I guess it doesn't have to be. We don't have to worry alone. Um, and we don't have to worry. So that's good news. Anyway, this is an odd intro to your bonus podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I really love talking to Seth. And uh, let me know how you're doing. Sincerely. All right. Thanks for being here. Hey, patrons. Welcome to your bonus podcast. Seth Tibbet is still with me. We're talking Tofurky. Oh, come on. We're talking Tofurky. And um, yeah, so I, the thing I want to talk to you about here is how, like, what your vegan backstory is. What, what, when did you go vegan? What led you to do it? All that stuff. Well, I went vegetarian in 1972 after reading Diet for a Small Planet which, you know, resonated with me because I was a naturalist at that time or studying to be one. And, you know, the concept of feeding grains and beans and everything to uh, animals and then getting uh, only like you put 16 pounds of grain into this animal and you get one pound-ish or something of protein back. It's a very poor, uh, uh, inefficient system. So that was the initial reason for me to become a vegetarian. And then I went to the farm in Tennessee, and they were more vegan, absolute vegetarians, a.k.a. vegans, from a spiritual standpoint. You know, they were against uh, harming animals, and they were ethical vegans. So that brought another level to it to me. And that's where I became the first pass through of the vegan diet was probably 1975 or six. Mm. And that's when I was eating the soy grit burgers, but I was also pressure cooking soybeans and eating them in tortillas. And uh, so those were standard meals. But uh, then I, I floated back, most of my time from 1977 until really 2012 was mostly vegan, but it wasn't really vegan. And then uh, in 2012, I went to the farm sanctuary in Watkins Glen, New York, mm-hmm. and finally got the animal piece uh, about veganisms and the sentience of these animals and it was that experience uh at the farm sanctuary uh, with Susie Costa and Gene Bauer that really made the most impact to me um and I was like um I'm, I'm in now <laughs> and so that was my uh 
journey in a nutshell to veganism and uh, don't see anything else for me going forward. Yeah. Was it when you went to uh, the sanctuary, was it um, what the people there said or was it meeting the animals face to face that it was like lying down with the pigs and, you know, chickens and turkeys and they just did a really good job of, uh, you know, telling the story of these animals and, um, you know, Susie Costin in particular was instrumental there and she was the director of the farm animals there. Um, but it was really, you know, it just somehow finally clicked to me because I mean, I had intellectually understood it pretty soon after becoming vegetarian in the seventies. Cause I started going, Oh, this is environmental. And then I was like, oh, this could actually be a healthy diet, which was interesting because back then there wasn't a lot of information about vegetarian diets being healthy. Nobody was studying them. You know, it was really just the Seventh-day Adventists who had been carrying the mail on vegetarianism from the early 1900s or late 1800s up until the 1960s when kind of it became this counterculture diet and people started seeing it then. So it became, but there was like a Dell Davis, like that was advocating for whole plant-based foods, but not much. So, but I, I did start feeling good and I started doing some reading, what little reading there was that this could be a healthy diet. And I was convinced of that. And then from the farm ethical standpoint, I was getting it, but it really mm-hmm. took a long time for it to really hit home. And it was really after just really grokking uh, the sentience of these animals and that they just wanted to live just like you or me. And they had families and friends and emotions and felt fear. And uh, just that whole just hit me hard. and. You know, it was like, boom, <laughs> finally, here I am. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I, I had a similar, I was already pretty hardcore vegan when I first started spending time at sanctuaries, but it was a similar, you know, it felt like it was a philosophy until I met the animals. And then I was really like, oh, I'm like, these are the individuals that were rescued from people doing what I used to do. Like, something about meeting them and like all the things you were saying, like seeing them connect with each other, seeing them recognize me. Like it was all like chickens, especially really surprised me how. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I think it was pigs for me. Once, you know, lying down to a, next to a pig, you're thinking, my God, like this animal, like how, who could ever, you know, kill this being. And so many of them, like, Boom, boom, boom. It was just uh, really, really impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have a favorite um, tofurkey recipe? Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of recipes I actually do. You know, um, for Thanksgiving this year, I took a crock pot. This is so simple. Like, it's the best recipe taste-wise and texture-wise, but it's also so easy. It's just like you get a crock pot and you dump 
like uh, 32 ounces of veggie broth in it, mm-hmm. like one of those um, containers that you see that's like uh, shelf-stable uh, container. You just get one of those and throw in there with a can of cranberry sauce and a packet of onion soup, dry onion soup like Lipton or whatever. And then you put the tofurkey in there and you turn it on uh, medium low heat for like and simmer it for like three hours. And it just you just go away then at that point your job is done, you know? Yeah. I mean every now and then if you're walking by you go and you baste it a little bit, but it really just cooks it in there and heats it up so nice and after three hours it's very tender and delicious and I hadn't had that. It was a recipe developed by Jean Nesterick, a gal that's worked here for uh, many, many years and oh my God, it's just, I had it this Thanksgiving and I was like, this is really the bee's knees. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love it. Ah. Uh. So I like that. You know, and every day, um, Tofurky, uh, I still like, you know, the tempeh. I've been making these tempeh burgers now, which uh, we still make for food service. And it's just it's this uh, tempeh that's soybean and wild rice and brown rice. And then we marinate them in uh, soy sauce, lemon juice, garlic, onion. And I take these home and I... Uh, smoke them in a smokehouse, the little smokehouse that I have. Uh-huh. And, oh my God, I was just living off them all summer and uh, just realizing, you know, what a great thing. Like, you know, tempeh was my original vision, and I just see tempeh really still having untapped potential, like a great amount of untapped potential, you know, that it, it's kind of can be, I think the kombucha of, you know, 2020s. Um, it's really a, it's, it's a, it's a superfood, you know, and that name gets thrown around quite a bit, but I swear tempeh is just one of the greatest foods. It's so easy to digest. Uh, even people that have problems with soy, like digest tempeh just fine. And, you know, you hear, if there's a knock that you hear over and over and over, like on the Beyond Burger and the Impossible Burgers, both of which I eat and enjoy, it's that, you know, the, they throw the, they make them wear the big P on their chest. Process. This is oh, processed yeah. and everything. And I'm like, well, you know, everything um, is processed like, um, it's a process, you know, raising and killing animals and getting the meat and cutting it up, you know, I mean, that's a process. Um, but, and I get what the, um, the beef is, so to speak with those products. But on the other hand, tempeh, you know, is, is knit together with this, uh, culture and it's, um, a very low tech traditional form of soy and it's a basically lightly processed form of soy and it i mean i just think that that potential of that product has not been fully explored so i'm still on board with tempeh i yeah. love tempeh 
I like I the very first time I'll never forget the first time I tried tempeh. It was I was trying to follow a recipe from the farm cookbook, and I had never really cooked before. I would just like graduate from high school and was living with my brother, and I screwed it up. I was tried to steam it as suggested, but I the water boiled off and the pan scorched, and it like gave the tempeh this terrible flavor. And I was like, "That's it! I hate tempeh." I didn't try it again for probably fifteen. 20 years, but now I I love it. Yeah. And you know, I mean, that's the thing, like tofu has been in this country since the early 1900s. Oda Tofu in Portland, 1905. That's the oldest tofu shop and it's still going business. They make great tofu in Portland. But tempeh, the first tempeh was commercial tempeh by a Caucasian was uh, in Nebraska, near Lincoln, Nebraska, in 1997, I believe, and you know, we came along in 1980. So it really has uh, a younger, you know, it's a younger product with a long way to go. And because tofu came first, people were like, "Oh, I'm just going to cook this like tofu." And tofu, you can eat raw. I mean, you can cook it in these big chunks, um, one inch by one inch cubes, and it's fine. But tempeh, you really need to cook it thinner and marinate it and it's a whole different uh approach than cooking tofu do you yeah. are, do you have a, a way to get your subscribers a good tempeh recipe if i send it to you uh sure yeah i can put it in the post with the um with the special podcast okay because you know what i did for new year's was i i had done this before but i hadn't done this in a while either but i have a really good recipe for tequila tempeh Oh, wow. And you put, uh, you marinate the uh, tempeh, you cut it in these small little cubes, um, or thin cubes, I would say, and you marinate it in uh, tequila, lime juice, safflower oil, and like chili powder and garlic. And then I just threw it on the grill and I grilled up these pieces. Oh my God. Like I, I, I cooked it outside on the grill and I brought the uh, plate of tempeh into the party and I went back out to cover up the grill. When I got back into the kitchen, it was like, there was like three pieces left. It was barely anything, but it's, you can make, uh, you can skewer it and make shish kebabs with it or just, you know, serve it as little fillets and it's just a really good recipe and the tequila all burns off in the cooking fortunately or unfortunately yeah depending on your perspective but it adds a nice little note you know this really pleasant mild flavor to the tempeh so yeah i'll send you that yeah send it to me now i'm hungry for tempeh maybe that's what i'll eat for dinner tonight i have some in the fridge i haven't eaten yeah good Oh, I love it. Ah, oh, well, thanks so much for talking to me and being on the both podcasts. And, yeah, um, yeah, and I'll uh, let you know when this goes up. I'll send the send you a link to it. Sounds great. Uh, and happy New Year and good twenty twenty to you and all your listeners. It's been a pleasure, Michael.